Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Damien Christoph and Dr. Brett Hill. Hey, Brett, this episode's brought to you by Forage. Forage. Love my Forage cereal, Damo. My Forage paleo with uh, such a great way to start the day. I make my little homemade almond meal, uh, almond milk, I should say. I put some uh, strawberries on it. It's yum. beautiful. Yum, 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 yum. Yeah, I love Forage. Um, I created it with your health in mind, and obviously I created paleo because you told me to. And uh, so <laughs> thank you so much for that. But this episode is brought to you by Forage. It's a great tasting, incredibly healthy, no added nasty muesli range that uh, I created to help you stay well. So if you want to see more about it, go to www.foragecereal.com. Great interview today, mate. Oh, it was a great interview. We had a little bit of competition there, didn't we? We were trying to have a little bit of a, a question off, <laughs> see who would ask the right questions or the best questions. Yeah. yeah, just checking in. Not that we're competitive, Damo, but we do have some fun with it, don't we? We like to tease each other as we go along. <laughs> you did a great job, Brett. Great interview today. Um Dr. Chris Beer is a, um, uh, an integrative GP. She's on television. She's on the, in the newspapers. She's got books. She's on the interweb. She's everywhere. And she's got some great content, good information. It's really nice to speak to a GP who understands uh, from an integrative approach the, the role and impact of lifestyle on your health, isn't it? Yeah, and do you know what? She's so smart, but she made it so accessible. Like she's just got such a nice way of communicating stuff. A bit like yourself, Damo. Very smart, but you're really good at sort of dumbing it down for blokes like me, so that we can understand it and and so that it's available for the general public. And uh, I just thought she did an amazing job of communicating the message as well as having a great outlook for a GP. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, and she comes across as very, very healthy herself, and you know she's got that vitalism, you know, oozing through, which is great. I think everyone's going to enjoy this podcast and i think in particular yeah. they'll get some really great pointers and some tips just to kind of get your head around the idea that the consistency with your diet is key but the breadth of what you eat is really important mm. what do you think or are you just gonna leave yeah I was going to leave you hanging, but no, it's a great interview. There's some great information there about how to rebuild your gut, rebuild your immune system. So let's get into it, Damo. Thanks, Brado. G'day, Brado. G'day, Damo. How are you, mate? Great, mate. Very great. Very excited about today's interview. Oh, this is going to be great today. We've got a bit of a celebrity doctor on today, not Dr. Damien Christoph, who is called a celebrity doctor, celebrity chiropractor, but we've got a celebrity integrative doctor coming yeah. on today, and uh, she's great. We were just listening to her before we came on. She's sharing such great information. She's on the TV. She's doing all sorts of cool things, and she's coming on this week because it's Antibiotic Awareness Week, or at least it was at the time we were looking at recording the podcast. It may have uh, gone past by a couple of weeks now, but it's still a great topic to talk about, so we wanted to talk about it. So welcome to the show, Dr. Chris Beer. Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, how could we not, Chris? You've got a, such a great name for a, you know the wellness guys, <laughs> Dr. Beer. It just seems to fit. Man. I've got to get her on. Oh, no. <laughs> My male patients love it. They love it. <laughs> so, Chris, tell us a little about Antibiotic Awareness Week. What's it all about? Uh, was it targeted at practitioners? Was it targeted at the public or both? And, and how did it go? Yeah, look, it was meant to be a dual arm approach, public health campaign, raising awareness around antibiotic use and the appropriateness of antibiotic use in today's world and, and thereby hopefully avoiding uh, the problem that we're having, which is antibiotic resistance, which is where, you know, obviously the bugs develop antibiotic resistance. So it, it, I think it went well. It, it could be a little bit, you know, more of a push in, in coming years, but certainly it's important to raise awareness, I believe. 
Absolutely. And there's a heap of uh, chat around uh, the gastrointestinal system at the moment too, Dr. Beer. Yes. You know, people are acutely aware that if they have antibiotics, it's going to muck up their tummy um, to some extent. Um, And then repeated use of antibiotics over a long period of time combined with other medications can really disrupt, you know, the microbiome and create dysbiosis. And and I think this is a big deal, especially with the awareness of the gut being such a pivotal um, Mm. point of the immune system to make sure that's in Mm. health. Is is that part of the message? Is that where we're going with antibiotic resistance awareness? Are we trying to communicate that yes if you've got to take antibiotics you've got to do other things as well that's part of the message and i certainly think that's it's part of the broader message the specific message as per um i guess the public health campaign was that we've got a a growing number of uh bacteria which are becoming resistant to antibiotics and so if you are going to go into hospital for a procedure you know be aware that there are antibiotic resistant bugs out there and and we're trying to prevent that from getting becoming more and more of a problem see in the last 50 years we've only had one new antibiotic produced uh toward antibiotic resistant bacteria it's only one and yet we've got a growing number of bacteria uh, that are becoming resistant and so we're we're starting to get limited in numbers and that's not scaremongering obviously antibiotics still work in their appropriate use and they're still awesome um, and they were the medical marvel you know um, just under uh, just over 100 years ago but uh, at the same time antibiotic resistance is becoming an issue so yet yeah, that's one arm of it was looking at those bugs that are becoming resistant to antibiotics and reducing our use of antibiotics inappropriate uses obviously limiting them to appropriate uses that was one arm of the campaign and then the other arm of the campaign is looking at antibiotics and their wider um, general impact on the system and to limit them to when they actually are needed because we're starting to recognize that the microorganisms that live in and on us are so important for our health Oh, that's, uh, it sounds like that would have been that's a great campaign okay here's a little tidbit for you guys my father-in-law um, was in 1940-something, playing in mm-hmm. um, like a little um, gully trap. And his mum mm-hmm. poured boiling hot water down through this gully trap and it went through and, and burned all the skin off his feet. And wow. he then got um, some massive infections. And the U.S. Navy were in Melbourne at the time. And, mm-hmm. uh, and they were docked. And they had penicillin on board. And p- prior to that, mm-hmm. there was no penicillin in Australia. And, mm. uh, and so he was the first person to receive penicillin. Um, in Australia. Wow, really? How about really? That? Wow, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow, so well, he tells us that story and, you know, he's, he's 70, what is he now, 72 or 73 now. and um, mm. Could have saved his life, right? It absolutely mm. saved his life. And so mm. it's really important to understand that, yes, antibiotics are life-saving medications and they do, you know, really help out. And But it is also really important to understand that you've got to take them wisely and do them, you know, appropriately. Mm. Absolutely. Yep. So, Great Dr. Chris, when we're talking about antibiotic resistance, I mean, how yes. widespread a problem is it, and and how many, what sort of problems does that cause? But but also, I guess, where did the problem come from? You know, is it just the medical use of antibiotics, or how much does you know agriculture come into that? How much does the use of antibiotic products around the home come into that as well? Oh, that's a great point. We're not actually able to fully quantify which component is affecting what. Obviously, there are antibiotics being used in livestock and, um, you know, in our meat production, etc. And there's antibiotics being used in various preparations, antibacterials, etc. But the medical use by far is a predominant use. And that we feel is probably contributing to these super bugs, these antibiotic resistant bugs, in particular golden staff, which people would have heard of, which is a skin infection that's 
uh, resistant to um, skin and then can go into joints, resistant to a lot of different antibiotics. And then there's an enterococcus, so there's a, an internal organism that can lead to um, some quite severe gut issues that is becoming antibiotic resistant as well. So there's those two big ones um, that we know of. We feel that it's generally uh, a growing concern, but it's, it is stabilised. And I think that's probably because of the message out there about appropriate use. We had a survey undertaken with general practices looking at how GPs feel about prescribing antibiotics appropriately. And 50% of GPs feel pressured to prescribe an antibiotic even though they don't feel that the patient actually needs one. And one in, tw- uh, one in five, 20% of patients will go to a GP who is specifically requesting an antibiotic and you know wanting to leave with a script for an antibiotic. So there's pressure on both sides. It's the onus is on both sides. Um, GPs are human um, and patients are obviously needing an a fast recovery or needing an outcome to get back to work. So you've got two sides of the pressure there uh, that people are feeling and that's contributing, we think, to the problem because bacteria replicate very, very quickly and if they can protect themselves against antibiotics, they'll change their shape and they'll become resistant to that antibiotic and that's where the problem lies. You've got multiple drug-resistant organisms floating around in our system. It's such a great, uh, it's a great point to keep in mind for anybody who has to go to any practitioner, it doesn't matter if it's yes. naturopathy, your chiropractor, your integrated GP, yes. straight down the line GP, whoever it is, every single um, recommendation is a recommendation and at the end of the day as a patient yes. you've got the, the, the right to choose and the right to yes. uh, ask more questions as well. So, you know, go to your yes. GP for your advice and at the end of the day you don't have to leave with a prescription to got great advice you know the gp could have said to you you know what go home rest take it easy have some lemon and hot water or some lemon and vitamin c and that could be worth the 60 bucks that you pay you know rather than having to go down to the pharmacy with the script that's true and that that's the message i think that this antibiotic awareness week was really targeted at in particular Mm, nice. So you found yourself um, doing very, very well, Dr. Chris. You've, uh, you've, you've written a few books, you're in the media, you're in the paper, you're on the television, you're kind of everywhere. How do you juggle everything? You've got a couple of kids, your husband's a good runner and he's also world famous like you. We've had him on The Longest Guy. So uh, how, do you drug, how do you get everything in? Like you keep very fit, you look very fit. So what's your routine? What do you do? Oh, I think it, it life's a juggle, you know, and you look at what balls you want to juggle for that particular time and what your priorities are. And um, Brad and I are good with time management. We don't watch a lot of TV. I think that helps. <laughs> I think we watch one hour a week of TV, and that was my personal choice what to kind watch? of say, well, <laughs> you, pardon? <laughs> what do you watch? <laughs> what do we watch? Yeah. Oh, whatever's on. So we'll watch something like a podcast or, sorry, something like a YouTube clip or, or a TED Talk or something boring like that, really nerdy. Um, but um, Or sometimes it's just the news. It's just the veg out moment. But we try and limit it to try and see if we can maximise our day. Um, and then, to be honest, we hire help. We get help. You know, I'd love to say I'm superwoman, but I'm not. I get help and I've tried to be superwoman and I've successfully failed at that. So I get help. I get help and I prioritise and I delegate where I need to. So that's how I fit it all in, basically. So there's no secret tips. <laughs> We're all, we've all got 24 hours. But, um, you know, thanks for the wrap. I'm very normal and very human. So, <laughs> so everyone's in the same boat, I think. 
And Dr. Chris, you're a bit of an expert when it comes to hormones and I guess particularly women's hormones. So mm. do you think that's a really big part of it? Like the ability to manage your time and to rest and to delegate and to do all those sort of things and avoid mm. that stress of our modern society. Like how important do you think that is from a hormonal perspective? Oh, that's a great point. I think that it's a huge, huge role. Stress is such a modern day killer and it's a silent killer. It's insidious. It creeps up on you. But I see so many people, they've done studies and they think that about 70 to 90% of all general practice presentations are due to stress-related illnesses. So what that means is that people are coming to see a doctor about a condition or a symptom or a complaint that's purely related to stress and long-term stress on their body. And I think a lot of heart attacks have probably you know started off that way started off with the whole stress cascade and not looking after yourself because of the whole stress cascade so I think it's huge and it generally does impact women a lot more significantly than men because our bodies are obviously wired to have you know to grow a baby and so our bodies will respond to stress in a way that protects both mum and bub by shutting off our reproductive functions. And that'll lead to a whole lot range of different illnesses um, and, and conditions from, you know, menstrual period issues to the polycystic ovary cascade to infertility to, um, you know, I've seen women with all sorts of endometrial complaints. So, yeah, I think stress is a huge thing. It's a modern day issue and it does obviously affect every area, including, you know, to tie in with the antibiotic week, um, awareness week, including the flora we now know that stress and the stress inflammatory chemicals that are produced can alter our gut environment and the gut flora that are living there and that may be starting to have more of an impact than we realized that's a that's a great call too i think when we talk about stress we're often thinking about uh, emotional stress only aren't we chris most people think oh yeah, yeah good point really but there's other stresses yeah. we've got chemical stress we've got physical stress yeah. you know a lot of people yeah. sit down all day they're not exercising enough yeah and uh, then they're putting junky food into their body and, uh, and then they're emotionally yeah. stressed because you know things just aren't going right but you know it's yeah. important i think to keep track of all those three things how important do you think uh, food is in this whole thing with regards to stress Oh, I mean, the food that we eat obviously is our medicine. Um, I, I think it was, was it Socrates that said that all those years ago? Um, you know, I think that certainly the food that we're eating today is slowly poisoning us. Most of us, though, are starting to make much better choices from the whole white food society that we used to have that whole sad you know this is the australian standard australian diet yeah. the sad diet yeah. um i think i think we are changing i think we are there's more awareness around choosing whole foods avoiding processed foods avoiding all that sugar so i definitely think there is a movement towards improving that and australia i think is one of the forefront leaders in taking that approach and we're becoming a lot more holistic minded which is so fantastic to see um but yeah the food we eat definitely creates a, a whole new new impact of stress on our body for sure so dr chris we've kind of come back around again in terms of the food we eat and the gut flora yeah. so i want to ask yeah. you another question about that because obviously for a lot of people they've had their yes. gut flora uh, altered by antibiotics by stress by the food that they eat um yes. and you know people will talk about that and say well you know uh, some of those bacteria perhaps that were present from birth or even during the pregnancy process um you yes. can't recover uh, but some of them you can recover so you know how yes. much can you get it back on track and if you do want to go about getting it on track how do people need to start trying to do that yeah that's a great 
point, Brett, I think you can change your gut flora. It takes time and you often do have to make uh, multiple levels of change. So what I mean by that is often people then do have to look at their diet and look at what, see, things will feed gut flora and things that feed potentially the negative gut flora thing. Things like streptococcus and enterococcus in particular, they love they love sugar. They love anything that's converted to sugar and they love sugar. So lots of carbohydrates, obviously carbs are turned into sugar, lots of refined sugar, they love it. And so they feed really quickly on that and replicate. They produce an acid which kills off our good bacteria. So all of a sudden you've got this toxic environment in your digestive system that's fermenting the food that you're eating. You're getting a lot of bloating, a lot of pain, a lot of wind and um, a lot a lot of digestive complaint, a lot of inflammation, which opens up those tight junctions in the wall of the intestinal lumen, obviously. And then you're getting this leaky gut syndrome. You're getting joint pain, fatigue, chronic fatigue syndrome, hormone problems. So there's a whole cascade. They've even linked poor digestive health to things like obesity and the whole cycle around obesity to childhood eczema and allergies. Infertility, has been, there's been some links, as well as all sorts of range of things from cancers, etc. So I think the whole world's going to open up as to what's um, going going to come of the whole gut flora and the imbalance. So I think you can definitely restore it, even if you didn't get the greatest start pre-pregnancy or via not being breastfed as a baby. I'm certainly sure that people can improve. And I have seen that. I do digestive testing and stool testing, and I've seen the improvement. So people can. They often have to change their diet, as I mentioned. So something like completely revamping their diet and choosing lots of good fibre foods, lots of vegetables and some fruit, uh, reducing all the refined sugars and the carbohydrates, taking out those components, obviously the big step. And then uh, you can try and repopulate the good gut flora by taking a good quality probiotic supplement. And that's what people are starting to look into. And there's lots of research around that. And in particular, taking a, a good quality strain with lots of um, viable organisms is, is of benefit for sure. Oh, that's nice. So, Dr. Chris, um, can it be done with just fermented food alone? There's a lot of people out there thinking that um, you know, yeah. pretty much the gut will just restore back to its normal balance if they have some kombucha, some sauerkraut, maybe some kimchi. Is, is that all that's going to take or do we need to give it a bit more of a go? Look, sometimes you do have have to give it a bit more of a go, especially if you've had symptoms for a long time or especially if there's particular imbalance. And I, I often see there's conditions where you do have to give it a little bit more of a boost than just the fermented foods, although the fermented foods are obviously a great pre and probiotic source. Um, you often do have to give your body a bit more of a boost. Particular conditions are the medically diagnosed IBS patients, uh, those that have recurrent um, women's health issues like recurrent UTIs or recurrent vaginal thrush and also in, in childhood eczema and allergies. So often those conditions you do have to give it a bit more of a push and that's where something like a, a medical strength or a, a very good quality probiotic can help you. So Dr. Chris, you're talking about diet there and good fibre foods and fruits and vegetables in terms yes. of creating a good environment for those healthy bacteria. Yeah. Uh, are there any foods in particular that you recommend for people that are really good to help feed them and help those good bacteria thrive? I mean, anything that's got a good quality source of fibre or prebiotics, so anything that they can use, so things that have those oligosaccharides. So um, you're looking at vegetables in particular. So anything really, I mean, the cruciferous vegetables are great for numerous reasons. That's your broccoli, kale, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts. They're great for lots of reasons and they do help to cultivate some of that good gut flora. Beans and legumes, um, anything from that family helps to cultivate it 
a different type of gut flora, which has been shown to be of benefit in reducing the risk of uh, the colon cancer and also um, looking at constipation correction, so those foods. But if you look at basically what our grandparents would have been eating or our great-grandparents would have been eating, it's looking back to the basics, cutting out those carbs, um, the refined carbohydrates, looking at your good quality carbohydrates, not having too much sugar as well, um, and in the form of fruit sugar as well. Often the 5-2 message gets confused with 2-5, so a lot of people are having two serves of vegetables and five serves of fruit a day, thinking that it's the other way around where it's five serves of vegetables and two serves of fruit. So fruit's awesome. Don't get me wrong. It's much better than a, a chocolate bar. But a lot of people are overdoing it with even fruit sugar. So they're having uh, protein balls made with dates and then they're having two pieces of fruit and then they're having dried fruit with nuts as a snack. And that's already about five serves of fruit a day and we're trying to limit it really to just two serves of fruit a day because, um, once again, fruit sugar is used as a fuel source for the negative as well as the positive bacteria, but more so the negative. Oh, great points. Thanks, Dr. B. Uh, another, another quick question just in and around that. Uh, you mentioned before yeah. just cutting back our simple carbs. Um, there's yeah. some schools of thought out there, and I, I think it's probably gone beyond schools of thought of people really understanding yeah. you know, this now because like, white rice and even pasta to some extent, people are saying, well, if yes. you leave it, cook it the day before you're going to eat it, leave it in the fridge, then bring it back out, it's going to have more resistant starch, and that's going to help your microbiome. Yes. What, what's your feeling about that? Mm. I think we're still we're still trying to probably go past the moderation message, aren't we? And I mean, anything in moderation, I think, is probably key. I mean, the extreme version of that is obviously not having any carbs, the whole ketogenic diet, um, and uh, that was sort of a, another progression on the paleo diet. So I think we're sort of we vacillate between extremes a lot of the time. Um, I think probably moderation is key. Always stick to just obviously vegetables and meat um, stick to vegetables and and nuts and seeds and all that sort of good stuff and add in a few bits and pieces here and there but I, I think that I'm not sure about the scientific efficacy of keeping things overnight and looking for the resistant starch quantity just by eating those things I think a smaller portion is better than none and you look at the microbiome of those that do have a variety in their diet and it's a lot better than those that have a very narrow diet so i think that variety and balance and moderation is always going to be key that's great dr chris you know we were just uh, we've both uh, been recently speaking to uh, kale brock who's just recently released his mm -hmm. gut movie and uh, okay. that was one of the things he talked about a lot was actually the variation the variety in terms of the the lifestyle and the diet so yeah. it's interesting that those themes start to come through um yeah. but dr chris you've also written a book all about the liver which damien and i thought was great we thought you know being dr beer writing a book yeah. about the liver <laughs> just you know it was just pretty perfect how could you not back that opportunity and, uh, yeah, but in terms it. of the liver and looking after the liver, you know, people often talk about the fruit, which you spoke about before, and overdoing on that. Yes. You know, is the Perfect. is the diet recommendation for the liver the same sort of diet recommendation you're talking about for a healthy gut, or are there some little tweaks you can make there if you really want to look after your liver too? Uh, it, the, the, the overall premise is exactly the same, which is so wonderful because it's exactly the same for any body system you're trying to heal, whether it's hormones, whether it's liver, whether it's your overall health, whether it's gut flora, the premise is the same. In fact, we now know that if you're looking after your gut, the rest of the, the, the systems will come into alignment. If you don't have a healthy gut, your liver is likely not to be functioning very well. There'll be lots of... Um, uh, they call it enterohepatic circulation, so the gut and the, the liver connect and they 
they talk to each other and they, they're intrinsically linked and you'll get a lot of fatty liver disease if you've got a lot of digestive issues. And so certainly there is definitely uh, some premise to say that if you're looking after your gut, you'll look after your liver. If you look after your liver, you'll look after your gut. Um, so generally the, the principles are just the same obviously with liver health you're looking at reducing other things that can be liver assailants so too much alcohol being one of them too much fructose sugar and fruit being another and really focusing on increasing if you can tolerate it if your you, your gut's able to tolerate um the cruciferous vegetables which some people with ibs can't because they um can't uh break down some of those short chain carbohydrates found in cruciferous vegetables so you've got to be careful of that and you've got to grade it up slowly Dr. Chris, um, with regards to a lot of these food uh, sensitivities that we're seeing these days, uh, you know, yes. there's FODMAPs and then there's you know non-gluten yes. sensitivities and yeah. lactose and casein and eggs and yes. all these kinds of things. Is, yes. is much of this being perpetuated yes. by an unhealthy gut or is this just part of our evolution? Yes. That's such a good point. I don't think we know enough yet to say it's exactly this or exactly that. I think like most things in medicine, like most things, with dealing with humans there's probably going to be multiple factors but i don't think we can point the blame to one single entity or one single thing but there is an overarching belief and starting to be medically proven that uh, a dysbiosis or an imbalance of the good and bad guts that are bad, bad bugs that are living in our gut can probably perpetuate some of that digestive disease um, and therefore causing food intolerances or the inability to break down some of those molecules um, particularly with leaky gut you know that whole medical Medically, um, medic, medical entity that was previously ignored that's starting to come to light, which is that our digestive system can, in fact, be very inflamed, even if it doesn't, you know, we can't see it, obviously. It can be very inflamed and that can cause us lots of disease and that may be starting to cause some of this gluten sensitivity. And don't forget our agriculture processes have changed too so we've got a lot of genetically modified wheat and genetically modified wheat may be causing some of the issue for us as well so i think it's a whole global issue that we can't just identify you know i'm so surprised i don't know if you guys have come across this with some of your previous speakers how many times patients say or people say they had so much problem and then they went overseas and the problem went away yeah. so i wonder sometimes if it's almost like an adaptation or a maladaptive process to our own environment or environment where either i don't know evolutionary genetically not meant to live in or whether it's just we're just getting overloaded with what we're getting bombarded with in our own environment. So I've had patients that have gluten sensitivity and they go to India or they go to Italy and they have no problem whatsoever, even though they're eating that every single day. So I just wonder if there's something to that. I don't know if we've got the full picture, but we're starting to. We're certainly starting to. Well, and maybe, Chris, that comes back to that variety you were speaking about before, which yeah. is, um, you know, variety in terms of the lifestyle. And it kind of leads into the next question I wanted to ask you was about mm -hmm. uh, probiotics and about when you are trying to heal your gut. Yes. You know, Damien often talks about how important it is to have variety in terms of those probiotics you're adding in to try and heal your gut, True. to get some different stuff in there. You know, how True. important is that when you're trying to heal stuff up? I believe that's also important. I mean, obviously, you want to stick to strains of bacteria that have been clinically proven. So, I believe you want to stick to those bugs that have been shown to have a benefit 
benefit in studies, certainly being studied in humans to be shown to be of benefit. And certainly you want to choose a probiotic that has uh, multiple strains in them that can help. And often a, a probiotic that has a little bit of a prebiotic as well is often helpful as well, prebiotic being the, the food source for the probiotics. And sometimes some nu- supportive nutrients as well can be helpful as well. So, yeah, I believe moderation and variety are definitely important when it comes to choosing a probiotic also. Yeah, nice. Oh, it's been a great interview, Chris. Thanks so much for joining us today. And if people want to get Thanks, more, more information about um, about any of the probiotics that are available, there's so much that you can get from your GP, from your nutritionist, your naturopath, yes. your chiropractor. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got lots of information. But of course, um, you can go to many different websites. Um, on your website, uh, drchris.com.au. Now, it's important yes. that you spell Chris without an H. So it's C R I S. For people who, because uh, I typed it in wrong and I couldn't find you anywhere, but this one works. Chris.com.au. You can go there and get lots of information, but you can go to blackmores.com.au and get information as well. Is that right, Chris? Yep, yep. Uh, both those sources, obviously. And if people have got questions, I've had quite a few questions come through via email as well. So I'm happy to answer any questions people might have via email. So on my website, you'll be able to contact me. Yeah, beautiful. Perfect. Thanks so much for joining us, Chris. It's been a really insightful and entertaining, educating uh, <laughs> podcast. Tripped over my words there. It's unusual for me. Uh, but, uh, yeah, thanks so much, Chris. We've really enjoyed it today. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much once again for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this week's episode of The Wellness Guy Show. We hope you love the new feel. Remember to continue to interact with us and tell us what you thought of this and other episodes. Please head to facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Guys and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. This is the way that we get to share our message with the world. For more information about Bredo and all that he's up to, please head to drbredhill.com.au and to find out more about me, head to damienchristoff.com. Until we meet again, continue to bring wellness into your life and we'll join you next time on The Wellness Guy Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.